0: Good morning, New Hope family. I wish we were all worshiping together at New Hope, but the circumstances don't allow for that. And so here I am in my dining room. You may be finding yourself in your living room with other people, or maybe you're by yourself. But no matter where we are or who we're with, God has invited us into this opportunity, this moment to be able to be in His presence, to be satisfied in Him. We're going to open God's Word and look at the life of Stephen this morning in chapter 6. And 7 and I don't know if if you've been with us through our study of the book of Acts but the theme has been that the church movement the Jesus movement is unstoppable that there's nothing that can hinder it so it doesn't matter where you are or who you're with the church is going to remain unstoppable we're going to continue our series this morning looking at the life of Stephen so if you've got a bible go ahead and open it up to Acts chapter 6 we're going to be in chapter 6 chapter 7 looking at the life of Stephen i'm not sure where you are right now when you're processing of all the events that have happened these last few weeks and even the last few days i know for myself i have been all over the place some days i feel like i'm handling it well other days i feel like i'm up and down i'm reminded of james chapter 1 verse 6 that talks about as we doubt as we go through these kind of scenarios that our life can feel like waves tossed here and there by the wind and i'm thinking to myself man i really am tossed here and there on a daily basis, sometimes even an hourly basis. My mind goes, when I think about that, to times where I took a Haitian boat ride when I was a missionary in Haiti. And on those boat rides, you go with the current and with the wind on the way there. And it's a, it's a great experience. You're enjoying the sunshine, you're enjoying the sailing experience. But on the way back, you're going against the current, you're going against the wind, and you are really going up and down with those waves. You really are being tossed here and there. And I know my first experience when I was on that boat, I I was tossed here and there, and I tossed my cookies for hours on end. It was a horrible experience, Um, but I I wonder if that's not that unlike the experience that we're we're having now and the difficulty and the trial and the suffering and just the unknown that we're experiencing. To use a different metaphor, I wish that, that my life was like a traditional desk lamp where as long as I'm plugged in, as long as the lamp is plugged in, you flip the switch and the light shines. It, it's great. Now, I wish my relationship with Jesus was like that, where I'm plugged into him, I flip the switch, and each and every day my light shines for everyone to see. But I know when I look at my life over these last few weeks that that's not really the case, that my life is more like this lamp here. So even though it's plugged in, this is, it does not have a traditional switch. It's a, it's a touch lamp. It has a few different settings. I can touch it once and there's a, a little bit of light. And I touch it again it gets brighter touch it one more time it gets really bright if i touch it again it's off when i look at this lamp i feel like it represents my life well especially over these last few days because i can be in contact with god but sometimes i feel like the light isn't there other days i feel like man things are going well other days it's it's really really good but there are other days there's there's no contact there's no light there's distance there's up and down i'm not consistent because the circumstances around me are, are, are dictating what's happening. And so whether the kids are going to sleep well, whether my 401K is, is reacting well to the market, and no matter what's happening, I feel like my life is up, up and down. And I, I want my life to be more consistent. Uh, you may be saying the same thing to yourself, God, how can I be consistently in contact with you so that my light can shine? Or maybe a different way to, to phrase the question would be this, God, how can you consistently shine your light through me? No matter what is happening each and every day. Well, this morning as we look at the life of Stephen, we're going to see a person, a man that is faithful, that is walking with the Holy Spirit, that is in contact with God consistently, no matter what kind of persecution or trial or suffering he's experienced. And his light shines, shines to the religious leaders, it shines to the church, and it continues to shine for us this morning and as we look at this we're gonna see the life of Stephen in contrast with the religious leaders because even though they feel like they are close with God they're doing all the religious things they feel like they've got a lot of God but I think God is probably saying back I don't have a lot of you and so as we look at chapter 6 and 7 of the book of Acts we're gonna be able to contrast Stephen and the religious leaders we're gonna walk through that this morning and then at the end we're just gonna to try to get practical what are some three or four things that we can do to practically live out our faith so that our light shines in, in crazy times like this. So first let's let's think about who Stephen is. If if you've been tracking with us in our study of Acts, you realize that Stephen is not a name that we've talked about much. We've talked about Peter and James. Stephen really hasn't been a main character, at least until last week. In chapter six, when we see that the administrative tasks of the apostles have have really overwhelmed them and they need to be able to, to work with other people to meet these needs. And so we see a list of people in the end of chapter six. Stephen is listed as one of them, as a faithful man that's walking with the Holy Spirit. And that's the first introduction we have of him. And we see that he is tasked with leading this group of people to work with the uh, the, the, the widows that are complaining and then to work that out. And it seems to go well because at the end of chapter six says that the church continues to grow. Then when we turn to chapter seven, we see that Stephen again is described as someone that is full of grace, that is full of power. He, he's doing miraculous signs. And these signs get him some attention, some unwelcome attention by other Jews who begin asking questions. Hey Stephen, what are you, why are you doing this? What, what exactly are you doing? The religious leaders hear about it. They partner with this. They end up instigating this plot to get Stephen in trial on trial. And ultimately he's standing before the Sanhedrin, the same Sanhedrin that was responsible for the death of Jesus, the same Sanhedrin that it, Peter and John have been brought before. And they're asking him, hey, Stephen, you you seem to be throwing everything that we hold dear, Moses and the Torah and the Temple, you're throwing it through the mud, explain yourself. And so then we get to see Stephen respond to that, well, even though he is on trial, it says that his face is like an angel, and, and he could speak to the charges, he could begin to refute everything that they've said, but instead, he decides to tell a story. But it's not so much his story as it is God's story. He starts with Abraham and explains that, you know, hey, Abraham, you were chosen specifically to be able to bless all nations. Your descendants are going to do that. And Stephen then says, hey, from Abraham, there's Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, who God used to deliver the Jewish nation in Israel when there was a famine. And then moving from there, Stephen tells a story about how after the Jews were enslaved for many years, that he raised up Moses to be their deliverer make the difference, to lead them out of that place, to bring them to the mountain, to restore his people to their God, to, be, to remind them who they are, their identity, their purpose, and who, who God is. And so I think at this point, the religious leaders are thinking, hey, maybe this guy isn't, isn't so bad. He's, he's putting an emphasis on all the right things. But then Stephen begins to tell the other side of the story, the underbelly of the Jewish nation, the fact that the Jewish nation oftentimes abandoned their deliverer and abandoned their God whether it was the golden calf, whether it was the temple where God was supposed to reside, but the temple ended up being more important, and Stephen is is telling of this side of the story, and when we get to chapter 7, verse 50, there's almost a break in the action before we get to 51. I'm I'm guessing that the Sanhedrin, things probably started to get loud. Things got hostile. People began to, to talk and scream over Stephen, and most likely there was a break in the action to calm everything down. And then when Stephen responds, when he begins... His next section of his speech in verse 51 that he gets much more direct and says guys you've missed it this is God's story you have have you've exchanged the truth for a lie you are create. you are worshiping the creation not the creator and so he calls them stiff-necked he says they have uncircumcised hearts and ears and at that point the religious leaders are thinking no we've had enough of this they grind their teeth the text says they literally stop up their ears they take Stephen they haul him out and they stone him and so as we step back from this we see the life of Stephen this this man that is in contact with God whose light shines but his story comes and goes faster than we can even understand what do we what do we do with this how do we practically live this out what, what is what is going on here that we could do and there it's a big you know, chunk of text there's a lot of different directions we go a lot of different things we can say but in the, the complex times that we are living in right now I want to be, be very simple and give you two points that we can focus on this morning. The first is this: See, Stephen told God's story, and I think we should too. Stephen told God's story, and I think we should too. See, we have a choice to tell his story, to tell God's story, or to tell our own story. And we can see that contrasted well between Stephen and the religious leaders. The religious leaders are thinking, "Hey, this is this is all about us. What we are doing, we are in this position of power. These are this is our heritage." You're talking about. This is our temple. These are our forefathers. Contrast that with Stephen, who was saying, hey, I'm not going to make it personal. I'm not going to make it about all these other things. I I just want to tell you the story of the God that I worship. And I wonder, as Stephen begins to tell that story, I wonder if if we really remember that story. Do we really understand God's story? Not just the facts and the, the people, but do we understand the main theme throughout? Because if you start at the beginning, you think of how God chooses or creates Adam and Eve, he puts them in the garden, but He doesn't just leave them there. He wants to be with them. He comes and walks with them in the cool of the day. Even after sin enters the picture, God comes to Abraham and, and walks with him and talks with him and says, "Abraham, count the stars. I'm going to use you to bless all the nations because I want to make I want to make a difference for everyone. I want to be with everyone." He meets with Moses at the burning bush and at the top of the mountain. He's like. I, I want to be with this people. I don't want them to be separated from me anymore. And he wants to walk with them in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. He's like, hey, I'm gonna lead you out, but I don't want you to do it on your own. I want, to, I want to show you where to go. I want to show you where to be. And then Moses talks with God and they talk about what the tabernacle is going to be, this, this tent where God is ultimately going to reside. And even though they mess it all up with the golden calf, God said, hey, I still want to lead you. I still want to be with you. There's this idea of the sacrificial system that's introduced. Because God is, 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 is wants to solve the problem of, of a holy God being with an unholy people. And he, I know it may not make sense to us, but there's a, uh, there's a certain time, a certain place, and a certain process. But God says, I want to be with you. I know there's a penalty that needs to be paid, but I want to be in your presence. And then ultimately the temple is created. This permanent home where God can be. And again, there's certain times and places and, and people that are part of that. But God saying, I want to be with my people. But that's not even good enough. And so he sends Jesus, God, somehow made into human flesh, not only to pay for our price, to pay the penalty, but to walk with us, to experience what we're experiencing, to be close with us. And even though Jesus dies, is buried, resurrected, is ascended, he leaves, but God's like, I, I want to be close again. He provides us his spirit to literally indwell us, to be with us. And that's not even the end of the story. If you take the go through the Bible all the way to Revelation 21, you're gonna see the guy that wants to make his permanent home with us. See, that's God's story. God is always moving in our direction. He always wants to be with us. Even though we may resist him, even though when God presents truth to us, we may hold it at arm's length, even though we're, we're in contact with him, some even though we're up and down, God is always moving in our direction. He's always pursuing us. And I think the reason is this, is because God's story, the story that that Stephen is trying to tell the religious leaders, he wants to remind them that God's story is their story, that God's story is your story, it's my story. I love the way Ephesians 1 says it in the message in verse 11 and 12, it says this. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He's working out in everything in every one. That's what Stephen was trying to tell the religious leaders. That's what he, was, he, he wanted to emphasize, that it's God's story, that God is moving in our direction, that we find our purpose in Him, not apart from Him. That's what Stephen was trying to tell the religious leaders when he was meeting with them in Acts chapter six and seven. I think it's the same thing that we should be doing as well, in the middle of our trial, in the middle of our suffering. The second thing I think I, I wanna say is this, Stephen listened, to the Holy Spirit, and we should too. Stephen listened to the Holy Spirit, and we should too. See, there's a contrast here. Look at Acts chapter 6, verse 5, when it says that Stephen is a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Contrast that with chapter 7, verse 51, when Stephen describes the religious leaders as stiff necked, uncircumcised, hearts and ears, they always resist the Holy Spirit. So you see this contrast, and so why is resisting the Holy Spirit so? So important. Why is it such a big deal? Well, I think the reason reason is is, is because the Holy Spirit in, in its primary function, to reveal Christ to us and to form Christ in us. And when that happens, we submit to, to God or submit to the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we not only know more of God, we get more of him. We become more like him. And that speaks to the authority of, of God in our lives. And that we see that in, in Stephen's life. And how God has ultimate authority. We often talk about there's a, there's a throne that sits in our heart and, and who is sitting there. Well, for Stephen it was clearly Jesus. I mean, think back to chapter 6. When he is tasked with, with dealing with this administrative need, that, 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 that's hard. That is really, really hard. And you, But you see Stephen saying, hey, I know this is going to be difficult. I, I know you've equipped me for this, God. I don't know how this is going to look like, but I'm going to do it. So I'm going to meet with these women that are complaining. I'm going to try to find out how, where the food is and how we connect the two and so he serves God that way in chapter 7 he's standing before the Sanhedrin thinking God I don't know what you have in store here I'm not sure how this is going to end but you're in charge and this is your story being told through me so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do it regardless of what happens to me contrast that with the religious leaders stiff-necked like an animal like a horse or a donkey we put a bit in its mouth we put a bridle on it even then it's still hard sometimes to, to move them if they're stubborn Stephen says that they have uncircumcised hearts and ears, meaning that they're more concerned about the outward signs of their faith, not the inward signs, not actually having true heart transformation. So they don't want to listen. They don't want to do anything that they don't want to do. Their hearts are hard. Ultimately, God is not sitting on the throne of their hearts. They are. And when that happens, we end up fashioning gods, fashioning idols in our own image. And that's a, that's a problem. And Stephen mentioned that in his story. That, that, that's been a recurring theme in the Jewish nation uh, and in chapter 7 verse 40 and 41 he talks about how this, this 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 golden calf was created look at it there in chapter 7 verse 40 it says you know as for this Moses the people said who led us out of Egypt we don't know what has become of him and so they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the work of their hands they had exchanged the truth for a lie They began to worship the creation not the creator We see it in chapter 7, verse 41. Stephen also mentions it in chapter 7, verse 48, where he mentions the temple. And the temple was this special place. It was a good thing, but the temple had become more important than the God that was supposed to live there. He says this, hey, guys, don't forget, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. See, one of the effects of worshiping gods that we create, these idols, is we ultimately become like them look at Psalm 115 verses 4 through 8 it says this it says their idols or really we could say our idols are silver and gold or maybe they're not silver and gold maybe there are 401k maybe there are college plans maybe there are plans to get married and you know, these are just the works of human hands they they have mouths but do not speak eyes but do not see they have ears but do not hear noses that do not smell they have hands but do not feel feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them; so do all who trust in them. Virginia Owens is an author, and she goes further in her comparison of God and these idols. and she, she warns us. She says, "Hey, God is no mere passive object to be circled and appraised like a piece of sculpture in a museum. So you look at Him, and He looks back." You may begin the search for Jesus with your own agenda, but be warned, he has one, too. So we want to be people like Stephen. We want to be obedient. We want to submit to God's authority. We want to surrender to his leading. We want to tell his story. So what does that mean for us? In the middle of the circumstances that we find ourselves where the the rug has literally been pulled out from us, I find myself asking these questions. God, what do you want me to do? There are lots of things we could be doing. God, what do you want me to do? God, who do you want me to be? And so, as I've been praying and thinking and looking at the life of Stephen, I've got three or four practical ways, intentional ways that we can live that out in our circumstances today. You can take them or leave them, but we'll just walk through them and then we'll be done this morning. The first is this. I think we need to worship him. I think we need to worship him. I'm not talking about our daily Bible reading. I'm not talking about listening to some Caleb on the on the radio when we're driving. I'm saying we need to find intentional times where we can really worship him. Because when we worship him, what we're doing is we are remembering who he is, his attributes, his nature. We're looking back on our story and seeing all the times that he has been faithful. And when we put uh, God in his proper place, when we worship him, we're letting him be where he is. And when that is happening, we we find ourselves in our rightful place. We worship God. Not only is He in His rightful place, but all the circumstances, everything that's around us that is bringing this anxiety, that's making us uneasy, other things we put our faith in, they find their rightful place. God is in His rightful place. The circumstances around us are in their rightful place. They look much smaller that way. And so I don't know what that looks like for you. How you can intentionally and practically do that. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know if it is listening to some specific music. I don't know if it's being with other people. I don't know, but find intentional time this week to truly worship him. The second thing I would say is this. That we need to be connected with others, to stay connected to others. See, Stephen was anchored to God, but he was also anchored to other people, the apostles in the early church, and we should be the same. We worship him and we, we are anchored to him. But we have to be anchored to other people because we can't do it on our own. In this time of social distancing, that looks hard, that looks different. But if there's ever a time that we can use technology, if there's ever a time that we can use social media, now would be the time. So now's the time to get practical. Now's the time to get creative. What does it look like for your D group to meet using Zoom or or, or just meeting one-on-one? What does that look like? I, I don't know what it looks like for you. But we need to stay connected to our D group, to our friends, to our family. Because that's how we ride out these kinds of storms. The third thing I would say is this. We need to serve. We need to serve. Remember, if God is always moving in our direction, and God has given us his spirit to let us be the hands and feet of Jesus, to look like Jesus, then that means as God moves in our direction, we should be moving as as the hands and feet of God to others that need to hear from him. I mean, in this time and with these circumstances, there are lots of people that are uneasy, that need encouragement. There are lots of people that have specific needs. And so I'll say this. If you're someone that has a need, don't be afraid to raise your hand. Don't be afraid to contact the church so that we can connect you with others that are wanting to serve you. There are practical ways that we can do this. There are creative ways that we can do this. But let us not miss the opportunity to serve the people around us. The last thing I would say is this. We need to give. Not just of our time, we need to give financially. See, if we are surrendering to the Holy Spirit, if God is really in charge, and we see and we look back all the ways that God has been faithful, as we seek to tell God's story, I think we begin to realize that God is in control. We are no longer a people of circumstance. We are a people of faith. And we realize that we have been given resources to meet the needs of a world that is hurting. I mean, think about if you're a missionary right now you're in Spain you are in South America you're in Mexico wherever you are you're going through the same thing they're going through the same thing that we're experiencing they're limited with the people that they can interact with there are lots of questions a lot of doubt in their minds and one of the questions that I don't want them to be asking is this I wonder if New Hope is going to continue to support us does New Hope see us does New Hope know that we need them now more than ever I don't want them to ask that question i don't want people in other countries to ask that question i don't want people in our own communities to ask that question because there are many people that are impacted by our ministries close and far the people we see and the people we don't and i don't want them to ask the question i wonder if new hope is going to to see me despite everything that's happening are they going to continue to be generous so that they can meet my needs see if god is big enough to work in the life of stephen no matter the persecution or the trials and the suffering then he is big enough to meet us where we are so that we can move in the direction of those around us that have real needs. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if, if you feel like you're Stephen, or if you feel like you are up and down, or you're being tossed by the waves of this world. I don't know. We all struggle with that. But I want to leave you with uh, these lyrics from a, a band that has been encouragement to me these last few weeks. I'm going to borrow their lyrics, and that's how we're going to finish this morning. They say this, the band Unspoken says this, they say, you've brought me this far, God, so why would I question you now? You have provided, God, so why would I start to doubt? I've never been stranded. I've looked back. I've never been abandoned. I, I've never been left here to fight alone. So, God, I am just going to give you control. I think that can be our prayer this morning, New Hope family that we surrender, we come to God, we worship Him, we give Him control, we put it in God's hands, and we trust Him. Let's pray. Father God, I am grateful for our new whole family, our desire to want to be like Jesus, to be the hands and feet. But Father, I know in my own doubt I'm being tossed here and there. I don't have the faith that I want. I'm, I'm sorry for that. But Father, I'm grateful for your story, the story of Jesus, the story that you are constantly moving in our direction no matter what we are experiencing that you are pursuing us and loving us through it so i i pray for the grace and the mercy to be faithful today the grace and mercy to be faithful tomorrow that we may stay in close contact with you so that your light may shine through us and that is my prayer in jesus name amen well most sundays when we are meeting together at church we have a time of communion where the ushers come down. The trays are passed. You grab your juice. You grab your bread. Sometimes we do that individually. Sometimes we do those in those communion stations. But we're not at New Hope, and so how does how do we make communion intentional here and now? Well, I think in order to do that, we need to remember what communion is. It's a it's a time to to reflect back on who God is, to worship Him, to remember His attributes, His faithfulness. He is our rock. We need to take this time to renew our our hope in him to renew our submission to him to, to, to look inwardly and to make sure that Jesus really is a, sitting at the throne of our hearts but it's also an opportunity to connect to God while we connect to other people and so in a church setting at New Hope when the trades are being passed we're somewhat limited in what that looks like but since we're not in New Hope we're not limited by what that looks like in the early church they met together over meals you could do that this morning either in groups or with friends, your dear, whatever it is, you have the opportunity to connect with God and connect others in a special way in communion. So eat together, enjoy, laugh together. Find time to to be intentional, to to reflect, because God is inviting us not only to to an altar, to bow our knees before Him, but He's also inviting us to a, a table. So don't forget that this morning. As you meet, as you reflect, as you are intentional with your faith, as you seek to be in close contact with God and with others, Make the most of that communion time today. I'm grateful that we get to spend time together. I'm looking forward to the next time that we're able to worship with one another. Thankful for you and thankful for the God that we worship collectively. Keep the faith. We'll see you soon.